0: It's the Golf Insiders giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your golf insiders on 740 the game.
1: I love to play. Hey, bring me another ball. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play.
2: Yes, I love it. We love- Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders taking you home. On the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G. And uh, we've got lots of golf to talk about tonight, including the start of the wraparound season on the PGA Tour. It was Emiliano Grillo, rookie who debuted at TheFries.com, winning his first win on the tour, the first win of the PGA Tour 2015-2016 season. Uh, he missed a three-foot putt that cost him a victory in the Puerto Rico Open and a PGA Tour card about seven months ago. Griot stood over a three-foot putt to win the Fries.com playoff on Sunday and was shocked to see it spin out of the left side of the cup. A moment later, he threw his arms in the air after making a 10-foot birdie putt on the second playoff hold to beat Kevin nah and win in his rookie debut on the PGA Tour. What really made the 23-year-old Argentine light up was one thought. He was going to the Masters and having his first chance uh, to possibly win a green jacket. So big congratulations to him. And this was coming off, Grio winning the... Web.com championship, which gave him that tour card. And uh, what a great start to the PGA Tour season. The Shriners is this week. uh, Shriners Hospital for Children Open, one of the longstanding tournaments on tour, especially in the fall series in Las Vegas. And uh, we've got a pretty good lineup this week with the likes of Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, Brant Snedeker, a whole host of uh, great tour players that uh, will be competing. Jason Bond, who had a great tournament this past week, and uh, Brant Snedeker. So good lineup there. And um, for some of you who know and listen to the show a lot, uh, I often talk about the fact that I'm a suffering Buffalo's Bills fan And um, growing up in a family of uh, Chicago natives, my mother and father, I'm also a suffering Chicago Cubs fan. So (laughs) I have been so happy to see the big W, the big white and blue flag going up as uh, the Cubs, of course, defeated the Pirates and then the St. Louis Cardinals. But things have not been so good for the Cubs. They're uh, on the brink. Will they win tonight? Will they reverse the curse? Well, interestingly enough, I happened to catch the Wall Street Journal, and the front page story is mentioned St. James Cathedral School in Orlando, Florida, that raised the W last week and made it on the front page. Well, how do we connect this to golf, you may ask? Well, we're going to go to one of my favorite people in golf, one of the best PR guys in the business, and he's the director of golf media relations for French Lake Resort. To connect the dots on this for us, another Cubs fan, Brendan Sweeney. Hi, my oh, friend.
0: Geez. How's life in downtown Orlando? Oh,
2: well, I don't know. I can't even. You're, you're, you represent a resort Just in lost, Indiana. Yeah. You're, you live in Orlando. And uh, you made this thing happen with the, the Big W. Talk about
0: it. Having trouble hearing your audio, guys.
2: Hello, can you hear me, Brett?
0: I-, I can hear you now. All
2: right. So tell us how this happened. How did you get the big W flying over St. James Cathedral?
0: I'll tell you what, it's 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 been 100 and 107 years since the Cubs have won the World Series. And being from Chicago, being from a Illinois, growing up a diehard Cubs fan, like all the optimistic people that I know and grew up with, the uh, the W flag, you know, when I was living up by Wrigley, go, Wrigley growing up, we'd be taking the L, and you could see at the end of the ballgame, you know, either the Cubs would win, which was rare back then. It did fly the, the the white flag with the W, or they would lose, and there was a blue flag with an L. So they had the, the great idea of just marketing the fly the W, hashtag fly the W. Uh, my sister's up in Chicago, and she's like, oh, you got to get a flag. I said, oh, that'd be great. So uh, she sent two down to me here in Orlando and sent two down to the French Lick Resort. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. Uh, but Don Helwig, who was the principal at St. James downtown, uh, is a Chicago North Sider. Great, great person. I said, hey, Don, have got a flag for you. She goes, let's put it on the pole. So I, I, we put it on the pole last Wednesday, took a picture of it, tweeted it out. Uh, I received a phone call from uh, this guy by the name of Mark Peters with the Wall Street Journal. And he said, tell me about the story. So I gave him the lowdown, and sure enough, on the front page of the uh, Wall Street Journal today, there's the story. It's great. It's really exciting.
2: Well, that is how PR is done, my friend.
0: Uh, Grassroots marketing, my friend. That's, that's absolute, how we do it. Marketing for no no
1: dollars, right, Holly?
2: That's right. Well, you, you know, you've know, you been in the golf business a long time. We've known each other a long time. You represent a terrific property up in indiana the french lick resort which has hosted a number of big events over the last couple of years so tell us uh, about the resort and the connection here too with the cubs
0: well i tell you what it's uh opening day was in april in april we kicked off with the uh our media day for the senior pga championship with colin montgomery winning it so that's how far back it goes it's been just such a whirlwind year and then to wrap it up with this but as a suffering cubs fan we have to rely. I'd like to like call out all the Boston Red Sox fans right now because we need your help, baby. We're down 0-3 in the NLCS, and the last time that a team came back from 0-3 it was in 2004 when the Bo Sox came back to beat the Yankees.
2: There, there so, must be some saint of baseball, yes. Oh yeah, in the absolutely. in in the Catholic lexicon of saints.
0: <laughs> absolutely. By the way, all roads go through Boston. And it comes back to Orlando. Gee, you've got to follow me on this, okay? Who's the most famous guy in recent times to come out of Boston? Everybody knows him. Number 33. Who is? The Bird. Larry Bird from French Lick, right? So Larry Bird is from French Lick. French Lick hosted the Cubs in 1907 and 1908, the last two times they won the World Series. In nineteen forty five they had their spring training in French Lake, Indiana, which they were in the World Series. And then um the Chicago or the, the Orlando connection is in nineteen oh eight, Joe Tinker from uh you know, Tinkers to Evers to Chance, the famous triple or double play, and the name right at Tinker Field in downtown here in Orlando. Uh so Tinker comes down and he is in downtown Orlando, and he used to attend St. James' Cathedral Church way back in the day. So it's divine intervention that the Cubs have to come back because the roads came through Boston, the roads came through French Lake, and now they're in Orlando, Florida. So we could turn this Cubs curse around today, gee, we could do it. I have am- some faith. That's I- all we have left, and optimism.
2: I'm telling you, B, you know how to pull a story together, but it is uh, it is pretty interesting. And- A fantastic track you have up there. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful golf resort. Fantastic little casino. You've got an amazing uh, hotel. If somebody wanted to put a special place on their bucket list, give our listeners a a quick lowdown on on, uh, the property.
0: I tell you what, we have uh, 3,500 acres. We just did a $600 million renovation to the property. It's great. We have the uh, PTI golf course, which was opened up in 2009. And since then, we've hosted numerous championships. The Donald Ross golf course was redone in 2007. Had the the 24 PGA championship there that Walter Hagen won. And we're very, very, very proud, Gene, to be the host for the next two years, which will give us a five-year run uh, and hopefully be extended with the LPGA legends. So uh, we're looking forward to that. We're really big. On, uh, on ladies golf, which I know that you're a huge fan of. Um, and it's, we're, we're really growing the game that way. And we're huge with our with our junior program. We started the caddy program back in 2009. And now we've got uh, 10 kids that either finished college or are in college right now on a full ride just from caddying. So uh, it's a grassroots effort. Got great leadership. Dave Harner is our director of golf. Uh, Steve Ferguson, Bill Cook, the whole group that put it all together. And I I'm just lucky enough to, to be able to talk about it every once in a while. And with ears like yours, G, thanks for the thanks for thanks for the uh for the lean to. I appreciate it.
2: You're welcome, and Julie Inkster was the winner of the Legends event this year. Uh the Solheim captain. So that so, was that was
0: terrific yeah, they, momentum. They came, they came back from one of the biggest defeats. So now we can tie in Captain Inkster and now we can tie in more Frenchlick and now we can tie in with hopefully a, a four game sweep of the uh Of the Mets, and then we'll be looking at the World Series. So, and you know what, G? You know what they say is G. What, it what? is Back to the Future Day.
1: Oh, oh! oh. Well, we have. Nick fly and Doc Brown go back. You know they, they
0: they fly in. You know until today. I think today was ten twenty one eighty five. You, you, and it you are absolutely. You're absolutely. And that's when the Cubs won the World Series, so it has to happen.
2: Absolutely right. We have created the complete mojo right here on the Golf Insiders. B, if anybody can do it, we can.
0: Oh, actually, I have my daughter, Maggie Moo, do it upstairs. She's listening to me on her radio up top. So, hey, Moo, what's going on? All That's right.
2: Great. Well, thank you, Brendan Sweeney, one of my favorite people in golf, calling in from Orlando. And uh, we... Want to reverse the curse.
3: We got it, baby.
2: We're going to do it tonight. All right, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to the Golf Insiders. 96.9 the game. Stay with us. We have Michael Collins from ESPN.com coming up next.
0: Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sent uh, three yards and hit me in the back of the head.
1: I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness.
0: Got the we're
2: back, the golf insiders taking you home on the fairways of I 4 in the house. Holly G, we're talking golf, and uh, boy, if that segment didn't shake you up a little, this one sure too, because I have one of my favorite people in golf on the line, and I always ask this question when I'm about to introduce him: How do you become? A super sleuth golf reporter for the biggest sports network, ESPN. You fail English in school, you become a stand up comedian, and then a PGA Tour caddy. Makes complete sense, doesn't it? Well, I'm not sure, but we're going to go to one of my favorites, Michael <laughs> Collins from ESPN. Hey, Michael.
3: Yes. Journalism schools for suckers.
2: <laughs> That's right, my friend. Oh yeah.
3: all all that money spent on education wasted. Y'all wasted it. I don't know what you're doing. Y'all working at Burger King, <laughs>
2: off
3: the house, yeah, you know, Walmart or something.
2: All right, all it's you a, dads, a, all you dads that are listening, <laughs> turn down the dial right now so that your yeah. children don't hear this.
4: You Michael, Michael. What's
3: funny too? I tell people all the time because I have guy like I will have kids, guys and girls who are like wanting to get into the journalism side or the media side, I get emails all the time. Like, Hey, just wanted to know, like, if you have any advice for somebody, I'm like a second year student. And I'm like, listen, I'm not the guy (laughs) you need to be asking about that. Like you need to email Bob Harrig or Jason Sobel. You need to like email one of the guys that actually went to college. Right. And like, did it the right way. Like my way, normally makes you end up like a hobo. Like, there's a good chance you're going to be jumping trains.
2: Well, and uh, you jumped a train out of uh, being a caddy on the PGA Tour, and I'm wondering if you were also scratching your head uh, after watching the big check that Michael Greller probably picked up uh, after Jordan Spieth won the big bonus at the FedEx Cup this year, $22 I know you had a nice interview with him after that. And, uh, you know, Michael, do you think you should have stayed a caddy?
3: Uh, no, because I would not have gotten Jordan Spieth's bag.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, like, as much as – and I, I'm not going to lie, I still miss it. Like, I still do miss carrying the bag. I still miss being in the heat of the battle, like, in that moment when – you're coming down the stretch on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, battling to stay atop the leaderboard or knowing that maybe you don't have a chance to win, but four or five birdies will get you a top ten check and what those points will mean to your player. So that part of it I miss. The the part that I don't miss is and I was lucky enough that it didn't happen very often. Um missing cuts, like having to leave on a Friday if you have a if you play late on Thursday and early on Friday, like having to leave the course knowing that you weren't going back on Saturday or Sunday and that you were only getting your weekly salary, which pretty much kind of covered just your expenses and maybe put a hundred bucks in the savings account, maybe like some weeks it didn't some weeks it did, so I don't miss that, especially having a family, you know. So it's nice to know since I've started working for ESPN, I haven't missed the cut ever <laughs> in the three years <laughs> that I've been working for ESPN. But then see what happens is you see someone like Greller and he tells the story and he told me, like he goes and I said, Was well, is this a dream season? And he goes, Mike, three years ago on this day, I was literally teaching third grade.
2: Amazing. I was
3: teaching third grade. And now and I, and he didn't pause. He just paused. And I was like, Now you're getting a check this week for one point one eight million. Woo. You know, I hope you got a tax dude. So
2: <laughs> Oh, talking about talk about changing your life. How was it that the two yeah, of them hooked up, Michael? How did they how did they partner up?
3: It was it was through Justin Thomas, ironically enough. Was uh, Greller was he was caddying out at um, at Chambers Bay, and uh, he had caddied for Justin Thomas. And um, then Justin said, hey, a friend of mine is going to be coming through. Uh, he needs a caddy, and I think you guys will be perfect together. So he hooked the two of them up, and the rest was, as they say, history, man. It's a match made in heaven. And the funny thing is, you know, and I talked to Greller about this too, how proud I was of him When he first came out and everyone understood the potential that Jordan Speed had to become the superstar that he's become. I saw this in the kid when he was 16 and a a sophomore or junior in high school and was one shot off the lead on a Saturday at the Byron Nelson. So when Greller caddies for Jordan and he comes out on tour with them, well, it's a small community of caddies. It's not a very large community. And there are a lot of caddies that have been doing it for a long time that are out of work. They just, you know, their guy who they had for for a long time, maybe lost his card or whatever. And it can be a very cutthroat business. So when when Jordan Spieth came out with Michael and the two of them started having some success, there were a lot of quote-unquote sharks that were trying to steal that bag from Greller, saying, hey, he doesn't have the experience, he doesn't know the courses, you know, there's more that other guys can bring to this bag and blah, blah, blah just talking all kinds of smack on him. But what I'll say is one of the things among the many that make Jordan so amazing is that he understood at his young age that anyone can give you numbers. Anyone can tell you it's 148 over the bunker. Anyone can say this putt's going to break a little bit left. What he understood was that the relationship that he and Greller had together had the potential to be something special as well on the golf course, and for the people that think out there, and and I have had this argument with player, with other tour players, the caddies don't mean that much out on tour. And then my argument to that, you know, individual was that might be why you're not on tour anymore, is because you didn't you didn't have a relationship and you it, you weren't a team. So one person by himself is never going to beat two guys thinking together. It's just never going to happen. Which is why you see the success of the guys at the top. Those are some stable players with some very stable caddies,
2: oh, yeah, fill so, bones, look at that too,. Yeah.
3: They've been together the longest and and I mean, you can just go down the list of guys that are that are like that 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 have long term relationships with caddies, and even sometimes when they get on a little bit of shaky ground, normally they work they get through it, you know, and those guys that do stay up at the top so For Greller to go through what he went through, you know, and now to be able to reap the fruits of his labor and everything that he and Jordan have done as a team together is Mm -hmm. something that should be inspirational to other people and other guys out there. Jordan is still one of the only guys. When you hear him do interviews, he never says, I I love it. almost always says we, me and Michael, me and Michael, me and Michael did this, me and my team did this. me. And, so to have a kid at his age still with all the success and spotlight that is being shined directly on him, want to deflect some of that light and go, listen, it's not just me. But, I mean, and you read the article that I did with Greller. You know, Greller's the first one to also – he's the same way. He's like, look, I didn't hit one shot. Exactly. But I'm telling him, yeah, you didn't hit one shot, but you know in the back of your head that that shot that was hit might not have been with that same club if it wasn't for you, 'cause it's because you were there talking and going, hey, I know it seems like a six iron, but it's playing a little downhill and there's some wind up there that we don't feel. Seven iron's the right one. So if that six iron gets hit, if you're not on the bag, that that ball goes over the green and he's making bogey. Instead he hit seven iron because the two of y'all had a great discussion together and he hits seven iron to a foot and a half and makes Birdie. That's huge.
2: And that wins a lot of tournaments as we watched uh Jordan do this past year. Uh I think the tournament Tampa was a good example of that where, you know, he he maybe didn't hit the best shots but was able to get it up and down and uh His you know,
3: short game is what Tigers used to be. Exactly. That's the thing. This, people are saying, you know, Jordan can be dominant, but he he's not overpowering. Jordan does not overpower golf courses. He doesn't hit at three forty. He can't fly at three ten in the air. What he can do is when he misses a green and he's short sighted, the greatest example of that was Saturday at the Masters. He comes off the bogey at seventeen and then misses way right and short sided on the right over the bunker. To a back right hole location at Augusta, like there's no, you're done, you're done. Like everyone was thinking, oh, here comes the Rory collapse, and this kid hit a flop shot off of the Augusta tight lie to that hole location, and that thing stopped five feet away, and you were like, whoa, what the beep was that, right? And right. Then you're like, well, there's no way he's gonna in this situation coming off that bogey at 17. He can't make the putt, can he? And that thing was dead center with perfect speed. And when that went in, like, I looked at the guys around me, and I said to all the guys sitting there, I go, he should do to Vince Carter right now. It's over. Like, he should do when he Vince was hanging on the rim in the dunk contest, just telling everybody, it's over. It's over. It was over right then.
2: We're talking to Michael Collins from ESPN.com. Couldn't agree with you more. All this year, everybody's saying, oh, you know, his game, Jordan's game is Okay, okay. All right, model of consistency, what's wrong with consistency? I just heard Ricky Fowler say the thing he's focusing on this year is consistency. Uh, I think DJ would like to have a little more consistency in his game and that U.S. Open major for a few less yards in that driver, don't you think?
3: No, I don't. As far as DJ goes, DJ's going to keep his length. And remember, the only one dude has won at least once for the last nine years in a row. That would be Dustin Johnson. Like, you think he trading that in? And he did that while taking a whole bunch of time off, you know, for, you know, whatever. We'll just say a rest period, right? Like, he put himself in timeout. Right. Exactly. Anyway, So, would he trade that yardage in? Hell no. He ain't trading that yardage in because, you know what? He's going to keep knocking on the, that major door and as long as you put yourself in position and knock on the door at some point either the door is going to open or you're at least going to punch your hand through the window (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that like there's nothing wrong with that but ricky fowler on the other hand the year before last when he had four top fives in the majors and everyone was like here we go and this year at the majors "Eh, not eh, not so good i bet if you ask ricky listen Would you like the players' championship win and a win at the playoffs? Or do you want four top fives in the majors? What do you think he's taking? So these guys can say, because they have to. They're not dumb. They're not going to be like, eh, you know what? I don't mind playing 20 weeks where I'm just not that great as long as I'm getting two wins. That sounds horrible. Like, no sponsor wants to hear a player say that. So they have to say, you know, the most important thing is for me to work on consistency. Do I really think they buy into that? Hell no. I hear you, Michael.
2: I hear you. Who's our breakout player for 2015-2016? Who should we be keeping our eyes on? Ooh.
4: Oh. I give you. I you
2: know, give you honestly, a 15 second soundbite on this one. I
3: don't know. One. No, I don't. I honestly don't know yet. I don't think that guy has popped his head up. I think it would, the easy answer would be for people to say Emilio uh, Grigliano, but I don't think we've seen how that's going to play out for the whole year. Well, it- I want to see. Ask me, ask me in March. Ask me in March once the tour has really started to kind of kick into gear once they start doing the Florida swing. Then I'll be able to go, okay, look, this is the dude you really need to watch because he's been top ten in and top five in. And just staying consistent. Who's the Daniel Berger going to be? We didn't really know who Daniel Berger was going to be until the Honda when he put himself in that playoff. And then stayed consistent after that.
2: Well, Emiliano came out of that class of 2011 along with Justin Thomas, Jordan Speed, and the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, as you mentioned, Daniel Berger. So that may uh, be some luck behind uh, behind his game. We'll see, Michael. I hope we can Emiliano catch. Grillo. I hope Make we can catch up great. with you.
3: My girl said he looks like a Fraggle.
2: <laughs> well, I hope we can catch up with you before March. But it's great to have you on the show, my friend. Check him out, Anytime. Michael Collins, ESPN. dot com. You are listening to the Golf Insiders. We've got a lot more golf talk coming up. Stay with
4: us.
1: Hey, Harry. Thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's.
4: My job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't
1: play in pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. It'd be good to just make a car. We're
2: back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G. And uh, as we mentioned... Emiliano Grillo wins the fries.com as the PGA Tour kicks off the wraparound season. First win, first tournament of the year, and uh, Emiliano coming off uh, the win at uh, the web.com tour to gain his card. Champions Tour, Bernhard Langer, the driving machine, wins by three at the San Antonio Championship. It's his 25th victory, shot a 7 under 65, and uh, that tightened up things in the Schwab Cup, which is the uh, Champions Tour version of the FedEx Cup. Tightened the lead between Colin Montgomery and Jeff Maggart. Langer is now in third by about 27 points over Maggart and 66 points over Colin, so That is coming down to the wire. And the LPGA's over in South Korea, uh, finished up the Hana Bank Championship. And Lexi Thompson, sorry, broke out of a crowded pack on Sunday to win. It was her second victory of the year and sixth overall. So um, things still happening over at the LPGA Tour, probably another uh, four weeks over in Asia before they head back here to Florida, Naples for the cme championship their final wrap-up of the season and we've got a little more golf to talk about with one of our favorites who uh, we miss a lot here in orlando he's now up in beautiful hilton head south carolina working for the island packet as well as prime sports network and PGA Tour.com. jeff shane hello my friend <clears throat>
1: How are you doing? Long time, no discuss. I know.
2: It's hard to believe we're at the end of October. Still so much golf to talk about. That's what I love about the wraparound season. Um, How about you?
1: I think that uh, I know a lot of people... Kind of turn off during the uh, during the fall part of the year, but it 's really a chance to maybe get a uh, look at guys who are coming back from injuries, some of these new rookies if if you hadn 't heard of Emiliano Grio before. Uh, get to learn him, and I'm sure you, you've you've talked about it with uh, with some of the other guys. But uh, this is another one of those golfers who comes from the high school class of 2011, the same one that produced Jordan Spieth and Daniel Berger and Justin Thomas. Uh, it, just another young gun who's 22, 23. I think he's actually 23, and uh, right now the hottest golfer on the planet. Uh, two starts, two wins in a three-week span.
2: I know, and he's at the top of the FedEx Cup at least for for, for two weeks, right?
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, uh, we'll see who wins this week uh, in Vegas. Uh, there, so uh, you could uh, uh, he could get uh, beaten out there, but hey, you can always say that he led the FedEx Cup at some point during the season. And uh, I, I think that he's he's got a really brilliant future. Last year or last season, however you want to. Phrase it with with the wraparound, but uh, heading into this this wraparound season, Grio had actually put together eight top tens. Uh, over the course of 2015, but if you weren't paying real close attention, you didn't notice them because it happened on four different tours, uh, including a playoff loss in Puerto Rico. Uh, so uh, if you if you watched the progress over the different tours, you could see that this kid had a lot of talent, and he was very, very impressive in the Web.com finale before, uh, before sinking a 25-foot putt to win it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and an, another guy in that class uh Ali Schneider Schneider Yes. Um <laughs> uh, along with Patrick Rogers. So, you know, that's a pretty packed packed field there of those guys from 2011.
1: It really is, and uh, I think these 2011 kids have have really started to to form a bond. They kind of sense uh, what's special about them, and uh, it was interesting if, if you if you subscribe to uh, Jordan Spieth on, on Twitter or or Justin Thomas on Twitter, they were very effusive in their congratulations of GRIO, adding another win, you know, kind of to the group total. There, uh, Justin Thomas was a little funny. He said, uh, "Go back to Europe." Uh please. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I really think that these guys over the years of of junior golf in particular and for most of them having played each other in college uh, have really kind of developed a bond and uh this is this is going to be a really good group of guys to uh, to watch as they go along uh, some people were comparing it to the, uh, the the pga tour q school class of 1971 which included david graham and uh lanny watkins and tom watson so uh you know that was a heck of a class too
2: well, and he beat out some, you know, big players that were on his heels, Justin Rose, as well as Rory playing in this in this field.
1: Uh yeah, and and Rose was right in it uh until the back nine on Sunday. He definitely had a chance. Uh Rory, I think is still getting back into the swing of things, and honestly, I'm not sure that 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 he was focused on this one because he's got four big European tour events coming up, and he is the race to Dubai leader, so he's got a chance to to win that version of the FedEx Cup over there with with some good performances, Uh, and and so uh, TheFries.com kind of let him get a running start at that part of the schedule, which starts next week in Turkey.
2: Yeah, and Grillo, uh almost, almost becoming infamous for narrowly hitting Rory on the 17th hole on Saturday.
1: Much better to be known as a PGA Tour winner than the guy who beamed uh, one of the top three players in the world.
2: No, no doubt about it. Uh, we've just got about 30 seconds to go here, Jeff. Who are you looking at to be a breakout player uh, for this upcoming year and season?
1: Well, one guy that we haven't talked about uh, is the guy who led the Web. dot com in in full season earnings this past year, Patton Kizire, a, a kid from Auburn, to a little bit of a late bloomer, but last year finished number two in single season earnings all time on the Web. dot com tour. Wow, that's some that's some playing. That is absolutely. He had a, he had twelve top 10 finishes on the web.com last year and and obviously there's going to be an adjustment but he seems like he's got a lot of the tools in place now it's taken him a while but but he's having a real good run
2: well we always can count on you for going deep in the weeds for us jeff shane (laughs) sorry we have to make it short but we've run a little long tonight and always it's great to have you on and uh hope you're enjoying hilton head island my friend thanks so much Thank you, and we'll talk soon. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We've got Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel coming up next.
0: Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf, then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well.
1: I want my dream. yeah, yeah.
2: We're back, the Golf Insiders, right. wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly Chi. and we're going straight to one of our favorite golf insiders, the globetrotter extraordinaire, Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel, back in the USA. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm good, guys. How are you?
2: Very well, very well. Hey, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since the President's Cup. Just wanted to get a few comments from you on... You know, how how it was over there in Korea, the whole experience and, of course, the amazing uh, finish.
4: Well, I think the President's oh, Cup was great uh, in the fa- in the fact that they reduced the matches by four and obviously made it much more competitive. I mean, what more can you ask for? It came down to the very last singles match. You got the son of a captain and Bill Haas taking on the son of the country in South Korea and saying Bay. So as far as generating excitement moving forward, I thought it was really good. And it was great to have it in Asia. I mean, look, we're in the United States, and, and you know, we look at at golf from our perspective here in the U.S., but globally it's great to grow this game in a market of Asia that is continuing to build. So all around I think it was a home run for the PGA Tour.
2: I agree. And uh, we've got the Bridgestone America's Cup going on in Mexico City uh so you know you've got golf growing in in Latin America tiger woods not playing, but was there and uh commenting on his physical condition in a press conference t- today did did you hear that and what were your thoughts
4: uh, say that again i go back next
2: sorry uh with tiger's uh press conference today in mexico city the,
4: at- uh, talking about how he's going to take his time get yes back?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: I did hear that, and, that you know, and that's you know and that's re- frankly refreshing to hear um if you go back to his last microdyskectomy surgery, it came in in March uh, and he was back out playing competitively at the Open Championship which which was in July. Um I, I you know, he may have rushed himself there. He, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. Um but it it's good for him to take his time. I mean him having this uh this surgery now in the off season, he doesn't have any pressing event uh to get ready for and he can take his time get himself fully strong, get the tissue working the way it needs to be, uh, get the muscular stuff going the right direction, obviously get the skeletal stuff in the right direction, um, and then work on his game. Yeah, I, I think it's a very smart move by Tiger because he's going to be 40 in December. The body just doesn't do I mean, look, hey, I'm 48. I, <laughs> I'd give anything to be 40. Uh, it's just, but, you know, when you turn 40 at that level, body just doesn't do what it needs to be doing, um, especially when you got a younger generation. That I mean, Tiger Woods, it was astronomical the way he would just crush a ball off the tee. And now he's getting lapped by Roy McIlroy and by Jason Day and all these great hitters. So, you know, it, you got a generation now that, can, that hits it farther, hits it straighter. And, it, you know, Tiger, it, I'd like to see him come back and challenge this generation right now.
2: You know, it was very interesting, Todd. He was, uh, I thought, being you know quite reflective for Tiger, maybe that is uh, with the you know the 40th birthday in his sights. But he was talking about Jack and how you know Jack spanned the yeah. ages and you know was out there 30 years. And he even you know slightly mentioned the fact that you know the that that Champions Tour was now you know in in the in the looming distance, if you will. It was it was interesting, but hey, after six operations, wow! You know, um, will he be back?
4: Yeah, you know what is interesting, Holly? That I've noticed about Tiger Woods, at least in 2015, I was at the last event he, he played in. It was a top ten finish for him at the Wyndham Championship, and he has become a sympathetic figure. Um, he has become a darling. Um, people used to go out and watch Tiger Woods because they were just in awe of his game and they totally respected him. Now you have people and fans in golf who are really kinda of rooting for him because he's kinda of, he, he kinda of seems to them as a fallen hero. It, it you know, they've forgotten about the scandal, they've forgotten about the hydrant and everything at Isleworth. Um now they, they you know, they see Tiger Woods as being the greatest player of his generation and now he's outside the top three hundred in the world and and he is a fallen star and they're rooting for him. It, it's really interesting now to watch this happen. Um, and and his popularity, I mean, it's not as great as it was in 2000 when he was nominated in the game, but it's not far behind because of one of the reasons I just mentioned, because they are sympathetic, the fans are to him right now, and and because they feel like at any moment he could flip it and become a dominant fixture in the game again.
2: Couldn't couldn't agree with you more, and I think they'd love to be able to see Tiger be competitive against uh, these young 20 studs darlings don't you think
4: oh absolutely i mean i just don't think golf would be elevated if you've got i mean you've got this dynamic foursome in my opinion and Roy McElroy, jordan steve jason day and ricky fowler you know all in the 20s all you know have had had great years and, and some great careers already um and if you've got tiger woods at the age of 40 recapturing that magic, as I mentioned once again, to challenge this young force and maybe some other youngsters that are moving that direction as well, I think it will be incredible for golf. Because there you've got generations coming together. You've got people in my era, who, in their 40s, who watch Tiger Wood do what he's doing. And I tell you, when I'm out there on the PGA Tour, I see this young generation, this teenage generation uh, of, of fans that – that Fowler and Jordan Speed and Roy McElroy are bringing in. I, and to have those worlds collide like that, it would be immensely popular for the game.
2: I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so in terms of the new season, if you look at Ricky or Dustin Johnson, you know who you know is this going to be Dustin's year? Is he going to finally <laughs> you know break through and get that major? What, what are your thoughts? What's your, what's I your be, gut?
4: I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it uh, because he somehow doesn't accumulate scar tissue. And he's proven that over the years. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you a guy who I think is going to finally win a major. He's on that list of great players who hasn't won a major. But a guy who is, I think, is a, such a consistent ball striker, and I think he's... he's He's right at the age now where he's going to just break through, and and, and be a more dominant power in the game than he already is, and that's Henrik Um I, I think he's going to shuffle his schedule. I've talked to him about this. I think he's going to shuffle his schedule to not be as global. He's still going to be a global player, but he's not going to play as much. He's he's going to make sure that he is fresh and ready for the major championships. If you if, in case you forget, at the Masters, like right, right before the Masters. He developed two cases of the flu and lost, like, 20 pounds. So, really, it wasn't until about the Open Championship when he was ready to go physically. Um, So, I think he's going to have a great year. I think if I had to make a prediction, I think he's at least going to be in contention at a couple of major championships on the back nine come Sunday in the next season or this season that we're already here at.
2: Yeah, it is, you know, it's when you think of what these guys have to do, it's tough enough to play the PGA Tour. But when they're the members of both the PGA and the European Tour, uh, you know, what it requires to be a member of both, you could see where it could definitely wear you out. So, uh,
4: yeah, absolutely. Real
2: quick, Todd, who should we be keeping our eyes on this week at, uh, at Sutherland?
4: Uh, well, I think you need to watch Ricky Fowler. He's the, he's the headline name going into this event, his first event since playing the President's Cup. He didn't have a great finals day Sunday. Um, he was first out Adam Scott him. Um I'm interested to see how he rebounds. It's a very offensive golf course. If you like birdies and eagles, this is a great tournament to watch. So I keep my eye on Ricky Fowler this week. Been
2: around a long time, too. The Shriners and uh, benefits uh, the Shriners' hospital for children, as always, doing great things for charity. Todd Lewis, thank you so much for all your great coverage. Thank you for being with us tonight. The Golf Insiders, we are out of here. Bye-bye.